Decisions, decisions, decisions. Uh, cappuccino, latte, americano. Some decisions are quite simple to make and others are more complicated. Some folks take ages over a decision and others just make them really snappy. So this week I'm digging into decision-making with Ellis White, who's an accredited business psychologist with a master's degree in psychology and she runs Mindset, who specialise in helping organisations promote and maintain a good mental health environment. So we're going to be talking about uh, if being decisive or indecisive is kind of like a personality trait. Are we born like it? We talk about being aware and conscious of our own decision-making processes and what we can do if we're struggling with our decision-making. Check out the links in the show notes if you want to connect with Ellis. I love this chat, so let's get to it. Hi, Ellis. Hello, John. Thanks for doing this. Um, Thanks for having me. It was a good decision to have you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> I was I was thinking this morning, I was, oh, decision making. I mean, the biggest decision I've made so far this morning, I think, was sort of like cappuccino, latte Ooh. or flat white, Americano. And then it's like oat milk or is it dairy milk, semi-skimmed, skimmed, coconut milk. Oh, uh, oh. Too many too- choices. It's too hard. We'll talk about choices a bit later because sometimes it's too hard to make a decision, isn't it? Even when you want a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Don't even get me started on going and get food as well. When you're put, when you're look, faced at a menu, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. hard as well. It is. Yeah. So what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell me about yourself, uh, who you are, and what you do, starting about. Uh, now. Oh my gosh, the pressure. Um, so my name is Ellis and I'm a business psychologist and business psychology is in simple terms, it's a field that focuses on understanding and improving how people behave and think in the context of business and work environments. Um, so I'm here to make people and the organisation function more effectively. Um, so that might be employee behaviour, motivation, decision making, of course, and the kind of team dynamic. Um, there you go. <laughs> Fabulous. That was oh, good, that was. Timer is, I know. Uh, pressure <laughs> oh no loads of pressure loads of pressure and um, give us a give a blast of your website so my business is called mindset and the website is mindset bps which stands for business psychology services.com fantastic what i'll do is i'll stick a, a link in the show notes and folks can just kind of like um tap on tap on that yeah um, amazing so decision making we all have to we make lots of decisions every day don't we and a lot of them I suppose we don't even realize we're making those decisions because they're tiny little decisions like what do you want for a cup of coffee although that can become complicated but I mean yeah. we, we do make a huge amount of decisions every day do, is there such a thing do you think as a decisive or indecisive personality trait is it is it a personality is it who we are so there are actually many theories of personality and the gold standard approach today looks at these big five facets and with those big five you even have sub facets and there are so many in there that will very likely impact our decision making Mm. styles um so for example um you've got the facet of self-consciousness and if you're feeling self-conscious you might make the decision to not put yourself forward for i don't know a, a promotion 
or you've got excitement seeking so making the decision to go to Thorpe Park on your day off or something something like that openness to actions is another one trust and compliance and then you do actually have deliberation as well so there are so many different facets within personality theory that definitely influence how we make a decision and personality theory does tend to say that our personality traits are quite stable so it's not likely to change but I would say that decision making theory can be different and they Mm. argue that there are some learned behaviors so that kind of notion of being decisive or indecisive I think that it can be influenced by both personality traits and also you know the situation and learned behaviors that that you're that you're put under so you think there's a lot of play here it's kind of like it could be things which are happening today but don't happen tomorrow could influence how you make a decision today for example oh absolutely yeah Yeah. 100% can it be changed can we change ourselves If, if we think we're indecisive and we take forever to make a decision we don't even make a decision sometimes um can we change ourselves can we learn something different I think so. I would say that, you know, there are certain type, uh, certain facets in our personality which are likely to be quite stable. Um, so it might be a fact in us that we're always going to feel slightly self-conscious or, or have a lower level of trust. But there are factors that you definitely can influence when it comes to decision making. And I think practice and self-awareness and there are you know elements that you can develop which definitely can change it to help you become more proactive and decisive. So the internet has helped us with decision making because there's too much it's too easy to do too much research isn't it? Oh gosh yes yeah, yeah don't talk to me about research. <laughs> I think um, I've got a friend who who's, who like researches everything to the nth degree and 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 they will take ages to make a decision over anything. So, so, like, so let's say they, they're going to make, I don't know, put up a new fence at the bottom of the garden, right? Mm-hmm. That they, yeah. they, they will research every type of fence there is, everything. You know, mm-hmm. horizontal wood, vertical wood, the different types of wood, different shades, different, everything, different ways to put it up. And, and they will just analyse and analyse and analyse and make notebooks full of things. And it will literally take them weeks or months to get a fence built. Me, I kind of like, you know, is it going to look all right? Is it, is it going to, you know, will it keep the dog in, that type of thing, and <laughs> just build it and it'll be done by the end of the week. So is this personality at play, do you think? Um, yeah, Yes, I think it could be, you know, with that deliberation. The key kind of big five facets, you've got conscientiousness. Hmm. And within that, there's something called deliberation. And to be honest, a lot of factors, uh, facets within the conscientiousness will definitely factor in um, what you're saying about your friends. You know, the, the lot, a lot more deliberation, looking at every single option and carefully considering your decisions um, is, is definitely personality. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand taking ages and ages if you were kind of like buying a house or moving to another country. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because those are major things and you would Mm -hmm. think about them, deliberate about them, think, but building a fence, I don't think in, but again, I'm just like, build me a fence. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're perhaps less on the deliberation side of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think you can mm-hmm. research a little bit too much sometimes, can't you? When you you don't actually get anything done. I suppose it's a form of procrastination in a way, isn't it? Oh, definitely. The the link between decision styles and procrastination is 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 very much there, and I think that your decision making style, if you are very strongly one type of decision making style like you're quite fixed you're not very adaptive Mm. then that makes you more prone for procrastination can you break down the decision making process for us is there a decision making process i mean like when psychologists and that look at these things do they is there a process so it's important to know that it is influenced by lots of different factors Mm. so your own personality as we were just saying um also your values your emotions at the time um your biases and then there's pressures you know there might be external pressures like when you put that clock on the background whilst I was explaining myself (laughs) you know an external pressure um that can impact each stage of the decision making process and leads to different outcomes because in some cases some decisions may need to be made quickly while in others you've got deliberate and thorough thought processes that are required but the research does say that um well, in one of the, the key theories, which which I sort of favour, is that there are 10 different ways we make a decision and right. and have preferred styles within these, within each of these facets. So you've got your approach, you know, the degree in which you are open to alternative perspectives. Yeah. And also it's about ch- being able to change your mind after the decision's been made. Yeah. Then we were saying about deliberation with your friend, the degree in which you really carefully consider and take time to plan your decisions, or in your case, it's the fence. Then you've got the responsibility side of it, your facts as well, because we just said about how sometimes you have too much choice. And if you've got so many facts and you're somebody that likes to deliberate and also when it comes to facts, you're quite objective you Mm. might want to look through all of the different facts and options before you make that decision then you've got your control so the degree in which you have that control but also your belief in that control Mm. have you heard of the term locus of control before i have heard of that yes i I don't really know what it means so explain so a locus of control you consider it as either an internal or external locus of control So if you have an internal locus of control, you believe that you can influence the outcome. And it's also about how you attribute blame or success. So if something doesn't go very well, you might blame yourself if you have an internal locus of control because you're looking at how you directly influence the outcome. But if it's an external locus of control, you often attribute control blame and even success to other things right so if something goes wrong you might fail to see your own place in that mistake and blame other people or technology or society or things like that you're blaming someone else for your own mistakes as what my mom mom used to say (laughs) it's your fault Um, not everybody else (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really key point in making Mm. a decision is, you know, the the belief that you have in 
how much influence you can have on the situation um, and also the blame that you might put on, on yourself or others. Yeah, and I suppose this is where the self-consciousness side of things comes into it, because if you can understand that that is what's happening right now, then you can influence it in some way and change it. Exactly, exactly. Then you've got the pace. So some people are really quite talented at making very quick decisions. Yeah. And others might make a slower pace, shall we say. They're a bit more yeah. measured in yeah. their, their kind of approach. So pace comes into it. Then you've got consult the degree in which you seek advice and take other views into consideration because uh, some people might be really independent with their way of thinking and others might be inclusive and you know seek other opinions and yeah. ideas and then you've got risk your your kind of how you view risk really is yeah. uh, is it an opportunity or is it something that is uncertainty um people can be more risk averse risk seeking or you can kind of be in the middle with these as well where actually you're quite balanced mm. and more pragmatic considered uh, maybe a bit steady with your pace have i said all the 10 i think so i wasn't counting no neither was i no um, sounds yeah. about sounds about 10 <laughs> i suppose i suppose but, but different decisions need different levels of all of this don't they i i I, I do speak to some folks who, who maybe have the same level of decision making and research and all risk analysis and all of this over whether yeah. they want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whether they're moving to another country to work. Yes, exactly. I think I read some research in, prepare, in preparation for this. And they, I think um, there was one study that said we make over 35,000 decisions a day, which Crikey. to me sounds That's sounds a lot. Yeah. a lot. And they must have been thinking about, you know, literally when to blink or something <laughs> like that. Um, but and but there's other research that says we make on average around 70 decisions a day, which I think sounds a little bit more realistic. You know, yeah. 70 main decisions like what to have for your cup of coffee, yeah. when to get up in the morning, those kinds of factors. And then even breaking it down even further, you probably have less than 10 kind of key life changing decisions or, you know, important decisions that you make in that day. And when you have a really fixed decision style, as you said, if you're doing it for all of those 70, mm. then that's going to make you so much more prone to procrastination and and um, and probably issues. Whereas if you have a bit more of a adaptive, pragmatic approach, then then it's likely that you're going to be a little bit more successful. <laughs> One of the things I do on the pod is ask um, the same three questions to everybody who comes on. The first one is, what is your number one productivity tip? If you had to tell everybody, just do this one thing, what would it be? My number one productivity tip is get enough light around you. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So low light conditions have several impacts on your brain and mm. that will impact your productivity. So have you heard of melatonin? It's a hormone yeah. that plays that really crucial role in your sleep. And it is influenced by the amount of light exposure. So if you're in a low light environment, the melatonin leads to feelings of drowsiness, reduced alertness. And then, of course, that's going to decrease productivity and you're going to struggle to concentrate and focus on tasks. So my number one top tip is to get enough light around you because a lot of us spend all day indoors mm. working in a desk or working yeah. in environments that may not even have windows. Yeah. 
And so if you're not experiencing enough light, even just working in an office with low light can can influence your melatonin, that influences you feeling sleepy, drowsy, and then your productivity and uh, yeah. will will suffer. Yeah, yeah. I I have completely different routines from summer to winter because because like like you want in the northern hemisphere in in the uk so in the winter you know in the middle of the winter it's like dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and it's like well, where was mm-hmm. the day you know where was the daylight at all but i mean in the summer i can easily get up at sort of like six o'clock over and half five some mornings no problem and i don't yeah. feel tired i don't have any issues with tiredness at all and i can keep going mm-hmm. and then in the middle of sort of like january it's like oh i just want to stay in bed it's like it's hot yeah and that's exactly. i think i think it's light it's it's it the is. light around yeah it is. It is honestly due to the due to the light. So um, you know, it's it's not as good having your indoor lights turned on compared to being mm. outside in daylight. Yeah. But it does make a difference. So one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning is I open my curtain, and I let daylight hit me in the face <laughs> as, yeah. as much as I might not be ready for it, yeah. um, because it will get me up earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to um. Yeah, the sunshine makes you happy, doesn't it? Let's face it, it does make you happy. Um, Definitely. So, can a pros and cons list kind of like doing an exercise, a pros and cons exercise, like we would? I don't know. We taught that at school, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Can that kind of like help us with our decision making, or is that then taking us down the route of kind of procrastinating it all? <laughs> I think it entirely depends on the mm. situation, doesn't it? Because I think if you had a decision which has high risk then taking that more reflective and rational and considered approach is probably going to be quite helpful but then if it is about you know what coffee to have in the morning Hmm. then it's probably not going to (laughs) be as as helpful but I'd also say that a lot of pro-con activities tend to be quite subjective yeah and also some items are more weighted. It's not as simple as choosing from which option has the less cons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I could probably sit here right now and think of way more items for a con list if I'm considering whether or not I should go on a run for my lunch break. Yeah. Well, you could be hit by a car. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, that, and that could stop you never, ever going on a run if you were doing that, you, you know, yeah exactly and you know I've got a to-do list as long as my arm and the timing of it and the weather doesn't look great and that you know there's loads of cons that I could think of to go on that list but the positive health impact has more weight to the cons if that makes sense yeah it does yeah and, and at times we do have to make decisions where actually the cons might might kind of feel like they outweigh the the pros but but actually we do need to 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 still do them so I'm not sure I am going to go on a run for my lunch break but it was just the first thing that came to my head you know that those sort of decisions can sometimes make us think oh I can think of a million one reasons why I don't want to do this and why it wouldn't be a good idea but actually the weight of the positive could potentially outweigh all of the different cons so that pro-con exercise I think it's it depends. If it's a risk decision, mm. that could be a good idea. But I definitely encourage people to be aware that a lot of it tends to be subjective. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 
the fact that I might not enjoy running, that's a totally subjective point. Yeah. And also the weight of each pro and con could potentially be different. Yeah. So so if you're kind of like a pro and con person and you do make lists, do, do, do you recommend kind of like maybe putting a, a weight by the side of it? Maybe, I don't know, colour coding it or, or putting a percentage or something like that and saying this is actually an important con, and but this is a not so important con. Yeah, maybe you could kind of use what we call a Likert style approach where it's like, you know, that strongly agree to strongly disagree type yeah, of mentality yeah. just to maybe give you a bit of a code that gives you a, a number that you can add up at the end and say, oh, well, my cons actually totaled to only about five, whereas the pros was more. So, yeah. Um, I think we've we've kind of touched on it, but do you think there's too many choices? Because before we started recording, I was telling you about my salad dressing. We had a supermarket, <laughs> a, gi- a giant supermarket built just outside the town where I live, and it's an enormous thing. And you get lost in it, and you're walking around, and I, I wanted some salad dressing, and I was looking at the salad dressing thing, and there must have been 80 bottles of tra- salad dressing. It was ridiculous. It was like raspberries yeah. and strawberry-flavoured and French and Italian, everything. And I must have spent five or ten minutes trying to pick a, you know, a salad dressing and I was sat there thinking I stood there thinking to myself this is ridiculous this is absolutely ridiculous I'm like wasting my time and my effort looking at all these different salad dressings and I probably just picked a French dressing in the end and it's like can we have too much choice oh absolutely Mm. and I and I think that the influence of choice will have more of an impact on those people with the more kind of fixed decision styles particularly when it comes around factors like deliberation you know if you are more of a planned person um then actually that's going to kind of overwhelm you with all the choices whereas if you're more of a spontaneous person then it might not matter and you think oh what's on offer grab that one that sounds interesting and you just don't and again pace as well if you're one that likes a rapid pace Mm. Um, then that won't influence you. But if you're a bit more of a steady or measured person, then yeah. having a million choices of salad dressings is 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 going to be something that you deliberate a lot longer. Yeah, uh, and this is kind of like I suppose. But going back to the research side of things, if you if you make trying to make a decision in a business environment and you're trying to you know make make project management decisions things like that then if you've got too many choices it can again it can stifle the project and stop things happening can it exactly which is why leaders are really important to be able to have a kind of middle ground when it comes mm. to their decision styles because and there there is actually research actually that says that a lot of leaders are kind of deemed to be more successful because they're able to be a bit more um, like spontaneous and rapid with yeah. their decisions. It's almost like an expectation that as a leader, you should be able to make those decisions and and, and do them quickly. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting, actually, the influence of decision making and leadership. Yeah, I, I've also found when I spoke to when I speak to some folk is that uh, there's a there's a lot of folk and I think I'm I'm a bit like it myself and um, they don't care if they make the wrong decision I don't care if I make the wrong decision I don't ponder about it and sit there worrying about it. I just don't care I just made the wrong yeah. decision I don't care I'll just make it make it differently next time and and, and I think that that helps and again I suppose is that a personality trait I don't know it is and it definitely comes into your decision styles um but I would say that 
although um, many leaders can be successful and kind of be risk averse or risk seeking and bold with their decisions, that actually those that are able to take responsibility for their decisions are most successful. Yeah. So it's about being able to kind of hold your hands up and be accountable when things might not have gone wrong and it was a factor of your decision. So that definitely shows you that that internal locus of control is quite important for leadership. Yeah, I do that quite frequently, and I must admit it's quite amusing to see people's reactions because I'm on a Zoom call or something, and I'll say, "Yeah, I tried that, didn't work. My fault. Sorry." Yeah, and, exactly. and like, and it's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> well, yeah, you've got to be accountable. Yeah, yeah, of course you have. Of course yeah, you have. Definitely. Yeah. So the second question I ask everybody is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given it it could be like life advice or anything at all so it's sort of like from a mentor or a teacher or something I often say to people that nothing is worth sacrificing your health Hmm. Um, and that was something that a doctor actually gave me because from at a very young age I worked in an well, I work in healthcare, don't I? So I worked in a healthcare setting and I was really sick with stress to the point that I ended up in hospital with um, what they thought could have been a a small stroke. Right. Explored and they couldn't find any reason physically, um, like a blood clot or anything that that could have potentially caused it. And so the consultant said, you know, tell me about what's going on in life. And as I unburdened myself, he kind of said, you know, this is stress related. Yeah. And um, and in terms of, of work, nothing is worth sacrificing your health. And and I thought, do you know what? That is so true. And I've seen yeah. so many people, particularly because I work with a lot of leadership teams. You know, we do often put our heart and soul and everything into our work. Yeah. And I'm I'm definitely somebody who, who really prides themselves over my career but I do often have to remind myself and others that nothing is worth sacrificing your health. Yeah, no, I totally agree agree with you. And it's sometimes too late when you realise that, isn't it? Some, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm of that age um, when, when I'm seeing people around the similar age to me keeling over. Um, yeah. And, you know, starting to have the angina or the little tiny heart attack or the little, you know, all these little things like that. And it's like, and then they change. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It's In a way, know, I'm yeah. quite fortunate because that happened to me at the age of 22. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got that lesson early in life. Yeah. Um, to be able to make that difference, which is helpful, I guess. Yeah, oh, it is, absolutely. Good God. I mean, mm. the earlier you can do that and you can realise that the kind of like, you know, work isn't, isn't everything, then, um, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. You'd be better exactly. off, definitely. Um, how, do, how do we make sure that we're not influenced by others when we kind of... Or should we be influenced by others when we make decisions? Or, I suppose, influenced by the <laughs> right people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. I think with certain things, it's definitely helpful to to have support to make decisions because diverse thoughts and way of thinking can be really valuable Mm. when it comes to making decisions. In terms of the right people, I certainly like that piece of life advice which says, you know, don't 
don't take opinions from people you wouldn't seek advice from. Oh, I like that. Yeah. If you if you not heard that, yeah, I don't haven't. Take, no, I like that. Yeah, don't take opinions from people you wouldn't seek advice from. So you know, a lot of people in life are going to put in their their two pence about what it is that you should do, and I do think that a lot of people often get involved in decisions or try and influence people's decisions um yeah when they probably shouldn't you know yeah um so try to try to get that advice from people that you do trust and that you value and maybe have a little bit of experience in the in the in the thing that you're making a decision with perhaps might be helpful but if if you're kind of wanting to make sure that you're not influenced by others I definitely make sure that you are self-aware about your own type of decision making Mm. and about your unconscious biases yeah um because those biases can affect how you perceive that information how you interpret things how you make that judgment and that can really occur at any stage of the decision and impact your choices and some of those you might be unconscious you might not be aware that you're doing it sure you know, so for example, there's something called availability bias. So you're just relying on the information you have available. Yeah. Yes. And so you might think, okay, I need to go away and research more. Yeah. To get more information or talk to other people that you trust, that you value their opinions of. Yeah. But then you have something called anchoring bias. So that's where you're influenced by the first piece of information that you've been given. Yeah. So how many times have we done it where somebody might have said to you, oh, I, I recommend this, or you yeah, just yeah. see, you go shopping for something and you go and buy the first thing that you've found. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, we almost yeah. did this with our house, actually. We um, we almost <laughs> went and bought the first house that we saw. Been there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or we do I, it when we yeah. go shopping. You just yeah. kind of think, oh, I'll have a look. I want a new pair of shoes. I'll have a look at all the shoes. And then you just buy the first one. First one. That's anchoring yeah. bias. Yeah, yeah, been there before. I think if, if you, when you're yeah. asked, if, it's the old thing thing in the in the marketing world, which I, I spend quite a lot of time in. It's kind of like if you ask a ask hundred people their opinion, you'll get a hundred answers. <laughs> and, and it's like you'll, you'll never make a decision, will you? So it's a good idea maybe to just stick with two or three trusted people and get there and just sound them out a little bit definitely yeah mm. absolutely and just be aware of your biases because yeah you know you might really really value your mum's decision but actually she's not the person that actually yes. knows much about the situation yeah and so there's been lots of you know lots of people where i've sort of said to them the person that you're value in their decision with I completely respect that but are they the most experienced person yeah yeah and do they have all the information yeah so what kind of advice would you give to someone who struggles with decision making and know they they struggle with decision making they know they know they do what what would you say to them um understanding yourself better is key Mm. to be honest um I think I think I would say that a lot of people do procrastinate yeah. yeah, a Harvard Harvard Business Review actually said that ninety five percent of the population procrastinate. Yeah, but further research said that around twenty five percent of the population are more prone to that chronic procrastination. Yeah, 
So if you feel like you sit within more of a chronic procrastination, then I think the first thing that you can do is understand yourself better. Because ever since I've done personality profiles and um, the decision styles that I was telling you about, you can Mm. actually do these like questionnaires and assessments. Yeah. So I can understand what my more favoured decision making preferences are. Sure. And then as soon as I've understood that better, I have been able to learn from it and improve my decision making skills because I can catch myself doing it now. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. see that actually I'm quite risk averse. And so when there's a, a decision to make, sometimes I play it safe, which can actually hinder me. So I now have that awareness to think, actually, is this an opportunity that I mm. need to be more opportunistic and risk seeking? Um so that self-awareness is is absolutely vital and you can do personality profiles and decision assessments so that you get that information. Yeah, it's um it's a really interesting thing to do isn't it? And and I think um I I don't think a lot of I think a lot of people are maybe a little bit worried about doing it cuz what they might find. I totally understand why mm. you would be hesitant. Yeah, it might might conf- would... confirm some things that you know about yourself which you don't want to admit. <laughs> But I would also like to really stress to everybody that the um, the kind of profiles and assessment styles, um, if you do a, a proper psychology-based one like what I do, mm. they are designed and they're they're not they're never written with any negatives. Sure, sure. So you know, if you take the decision styles model for example, take your uh, thoughts we kind of say that you can be more apparent with your thoughts, more reasoned or more reflective. And so either end of those scales, it's not a negative thing. No, no. It's, it's just a different way of approaching things. And it's the same with personality. Every single facet in the personality profile, there's never a positive or a negative spectrum to it. It's a case of, there's just differences in the way that we are thinking of feeling. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would really strongly say, don't worry about it. You're never going to read it and be upset mm. with the results because it's more a case of understanding yourself better. So final question I ask everybody is, what's your secret procrastination? Everybody has one. Mine is going on Google Maps holidays and visiting places all over the world on the Google uh-huh. Maps there. It's great fun. Um, what's yours? Mine is my morning routine. So my alarm goes off every single day at 6.30am, regardless of my schedule. So I could be working from home, which I mostly do, by the way. Yeah. So even on a day where I'm just at home, I will set my alarm off at 6.30 every day. Yeah. And that helps me with my sleep. So I'm definitely someone who sleeps better if I have a routine. Yeah. But even though I get up early... And mostly work from home. Um, I don't really do anything. So I, <laughs> you might think, oh, she must get loads done. I don't. I tend to wake up in the morning and I'll get the dog, sort himself, sort him out. And then I tend to get a cup of tea and just go straight back to bed. And I can sometimes sit there until 10 to 9. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll be reading or I might be on my phone or sometimes I'm just dozing. I, I, I 
I waste quite a lot of hours in the morning, but I love my bed. Yeah, so yeah. That's my procrastination. That's I like it. See, <laughs> you said that would be a nightmare for me. Um, do you think we should measure the success of our decisions, or is that kind of like taking a little bit too far? Do you reckon? Um, it's a good question. I would say that it depends on what's for. Hmm. And you'll notice with psychologists, by the way, we often get asked questions. It depends. Like, it depends. <laughs> it depends yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I feel like that that could be really helpful because we do need to kind of celebrate our successes. But what holds me back is that a lot of people have this fear of failure. Hmm. And as soon as you have that, it can potentially make you feel quite self-deprecating when you're looking at you know oh, I measured the success of that decision and it yeah. wasn't as successful as you'd hope yeah. that could then impact your mental health hold you back and so I would say that if you want if you know should we measure them hmm. I would say if you do I would cons- encourage you to consider an, a balanced approach so you measure and celebrate your successes and when you do have those failures or those less successful decisions view them as opportunities yeah, yeah. they're opportunities yeah. to yeah. learn to grow to develop yeah. they're not bad things a no. lot of the time we learn more from the things that went wrong yeah you do yeah. more than the things that went right yeah this is why i don't um, care about failing or messing things up i never care i never have done for years even when i was in my 20s i've never yeah. bothered because i've always thought to myself well i've got a little bit better i've learned something new today yeah, exactly. Yeah. But some people really struggle with that mindset yeah, and yeah. and they might not have the environment around them that can support that. You know, I've yeah. been in businesses and I'm, I'm sure you may have seen yeah. it as well, where failure often means that you're in a lot of trouble yeah. and and you don't have that psychological safety to sure. make a mistake. Yeah. Um, and from that, that, that encourages, you know, people trying to avoid it and... Yeah become more risk averse so yeah this is why work so, should yeah. change isn't this is why work should change drastically shouldn't it really because um you know definitely yeah we're just fighting for trying to get perfection all the time which is never going to be achieved ever um yeah it'd be a nightmare um it's been fascinating chatting to you it really has um <laughs> i've enjoyed you. this um decisions decisions i've got to think about my decisions better today um ellis where can we find you give us your website again you've got social media bits and things I do, yeah. So website is mindsetbps.com. So it stands for Business Psychology Services. And all social medias have the same handle as mindsetbps, at mindsetbps. And I'm more of a LinkedIn person though. So I'm more than happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. My name's Ellis White and I do have a mindset page that you can follow there. So Follow me on whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. What I'll do is stick some links in the show notes and folks can tap those and um, and connect Great. up with you. Um, Ellis, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I've loved it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Ellis for her time. If you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon. It's absolutely everywhere. Just search for the Triple T Productivity Podcast. Thanks for listening.